Well, good morning. We are thankful that you are with us this morning. Our numbers are down a little bit. They were on Wednesday night and probably will be a little bit through this time of the winter. Uh, the weather has been a little crazy. I hope you brought your rain boots this morning and your flip-flops and your snowshoes. You made any number of those in Tennessee. I told several last week, we had a friend at Fried Hardeman who was from Florida, and he wore his flip-flops year-round. He just said, if you don't like the weather in Tennessee, just wait. Just wait till tomorrow, and it'll probably be different. So uh, they were fitting all year-round, but uh, we're thankful that you are here. Our numbers do continue to be down because we have a lot who are sick. Uh, maybe they are sick, others who have been exposed to something, whether it be COVID or whether it be the flu or whatever, so we're mindful of that. We always ask you to stay home if you do feel unwell or think you might have been exposed or concerned about spreading something, but we hope that if you are well or are able to be with us that you will because we want you to be here in person as we think about the encouragement that we have. As Charles mentioned at the announcements there, we'll be meeting again at 1.30 this afternoon. We can hope that you can be a part of that. If you have a bulletin in front of you and you notice the outlines, you'll see that we're going to take a look at uh, last year. That's usually something we do at the, on the last Sunday of the year, and I didn't even think about it uh, last week or the week before. And so when I realized that that had kind of slipped up, I thought, well, we'll just hit it uh, the first Sunday afternoon of this year. But we'll take a look at, back at some of the things, as you see in the title, glancing back at some of the things that we've done and accomplished and some of the goals and things that we have met during the year, and then also pressing forward, thinking about the year that lies ahead, thinking about maybe a few challenges that we can take and encouraging ourselves with that. Uh, if you'd like to stay with us, we always encourage you to stay with us for lunch. We have lunch during uh, the, the afternoon between services there. Uh, this is not a preacher count, but I think I walked through the kitchen and there were at least six crock pots in there going a few minutes ago before services. So I think we got enough soup or food or something. Uh, we ask everybody to be sure to bring enough for their family and maybe a couple extra. So if you would like to stay, we'd love to have you hang out with us for a few moments. It's enjoyable in the time of food and enjoying some good food together, but it's really about the time of fellowship that we can spend together for a few moments learning about one another and sharing in life and that kind of thing. And so we're just thankful that you are here, certainly uh, during this hour, as we're going to look at God's word for just a few moments. If you have your outline in front of you, you'll notice the very first thing there says that God has a purpose in everything he does. God has never engaged in idleness. He has never done something just for the sake of doing it. As we even go back to the beginning and think about God speaking into existence the universe and, and I even sometimes use the example that that you know I, I reckon God could have done anything for us to be saved we could have had to do 10 jumping jacks we could have had to travel to Jerusalem we could have done anything but even then still we, we point out the idea of being buried and being raised and it makes sense with the way that Jesus was gave his life died buried and was raised and so I would say he has a purpose in everything he does, and it's not just something, well, that sounds like fun, or I'll just make them do this or do that. We go back to the Old Testament, and we see usually a purpose for the things that he does. And God has a purpose, had a purpose, has a purpose, or as we're going to talk about this morning, maybe purposes, in giving the Bible to man. You know, we began last year talking, uh, we began the very first Sunday of 2021 and talking about the idea of walking in truth and the Word of God. I thought it would be encouraging for us to do the same this morning. And so the lesson, if you have your title in front of you, says, Why God Gave Man the Bible. He has, we're going to look at six purposes, and there may be others, or you might could break it down a little differently, but those purposes will be accomplished. Let's begin in the book of Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 55, verses 8 through 11. Before we get to our first point, we'll notice Isaiah 55, 8 through 11. 
God says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth and make it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. God's saying very plainly and clearly that, yes, I have purposes, I want to accomplish things, and those things will be accomplished. And in this lesson, we want to look at and explore some of the reasons God gave man the Bible, and most importantly, maybe for us, kind of in connection with all of those, especially considering these reasons or purposes which pertain to man's salvation. Number one, God gave man the Bible to tell man that he is lost. Now, this first point is a little bit of a downer, some might say. That doesn't sound like fun. That doesn't sound good that God would tell man that he is lost. But think about it. If God had not given man the Bible, man would not know about heaven, hell, or sin. Man would not know that he is lost or that he has a need for a Savior. Every effort to save man has been and will continue from an earthly, uh, fleshly man uh, example. Every effort has been and will continue to be futile until he is made to recognize that he is lost and needs salvation. Think about a person who is sick. Maybe you've been sick before and you didn't quite know why. Maybe you just didn't feel right or didn't feel well for a time. And you didn't understand what was going on. But as the person who has a physical illness must know of that illness and that he is in need of medical attention, the sinner must know that he is sick spiritually and see his need for salvation. Until a person recognizes that they need to be saved from their lost condition, they will never make the changes in their life to, the, to affect their salvation. Think about someone that you might have discussed the Bible with before. Most people, some people maybe, they don't, they're fine. They're happy. They're living their life. Things are great. Maybe things aren't great right now, but they're great before. They'll get better again. But they don't see a need for it. They don't recognize that they are lost. But we must understand and help others understand that sin dooms man to be lost. In Ecclesiastes chapter 7, Ecclesiastes chapter 7 in verse number 29, we see that God created man as a pure, upright being. God created man as an upright being. But we also know from Genesis chapter 3, Genesis 3 verses 23 and 24, that when man disobeyed God and sinned, he was separated from God. Genesis chapter 3 verses 23 and 24 says that God drove man out of the garden. And I think we sometimes forget or don't think about the fact that, that man, Adam and Eve, were there with God, had his very presence walking in the garden, and yet their sin separates them. We say that a lot when we extend heaven's invitation. We talk about our sins separating us from God, as Isaiah speaks about in Isaiah 59, 1 and 2. But we, I don't think we understand. We go back to the garden and we see that there is a physical separation, and that continues, yes, even to us in 2022, as we sin, we are separated from God. And as sin separated the first man, sin separates us from God today. We think about Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 12. 
In Ephesians 2 and verse 12, God uses a couple of words that sort of connect with us. He talks about that we were aliens and strangers. Aliens and strangers who were separated from God. Man, because of his sins, is lost and doomed to to eternal death. Separation from God will be in the place of eternal punishment. Romans chapter 6 and verse number 23 reminds us that the wages of sin is death. When we live the way we want to, by our fleshly desires, according to what we think is best, then we will sin, we will be separated from God, and what we earn is not a paycheck. We do earn something that is death. That is what we deserve. And think about this first point. Why did God give man the Bible? How would man have known any of this if God had not given us the Bible? So we're thankful for that, although it's a bit of a downer to begin with in a sense. But we understand that we are lost. And then secondly, we move on to the fact in connection, though, that that we are given the Bible to assure man that God desires all to be saved. That's a capital H, he, on the slide. God, he, desires all men to be saved. You see, sounds like a negative thing to say all men are lost. And it is. We don't want anybody to be lost. But the Bible also shares with us that, man, that God desires all men to be saved. The Bible clearly states that this is the desire of God. We have talked about some of these points with our lessons about atheism or things like that. Some people pick out the, the verses that they think contradict or where maybe God has destroyed a certain people in the Old Testament. They say, well, what about this God? He's not loving. He doesn't care. But yet it also explicitly states that he desires all to be saved. How do we reconcile that? We love 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse number 9. 2 Peter 3, 9, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise as some men count slackness. Hey, there's your key right there, by the way. Have you ever noticed as men count things? You know, we get wrong sometimes when we count. And we definitely get it wrong when we try to play in the place of God. The Lord is not slack concerning his promises as men count slackness. But he's long-suffering. It's actually patience, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Yes, all men are lost in their sin, but God also desires all to be saved. The truth that we have, as we talked about the importance of it, last Sunday, or the Sunday of last year, first Sunday in today, the truth, the word of God is his means of salvation. We think about Romans chapter 1 and verse 16. It is his power Unto salvation for everyone who believes. To the Jew first and also to the Greek. John chapter 8 and verse 32. That it, the word of God, has the power to free men from sin. It gives us everything that we need. As we said just a a few moments ago. And Brian mentioned there about uh, the song. He mentioned that it's given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. 2 Peter chapter 1. And verse number three, you see, while the first point's a little negative, the second point begins to give me lots of hope that God does desire all men to be saved. Not only that, he's given us the power unto salvation. It sets us free from sin. It tells us everything that we need to know. And in the Bible, God, excuse me, in the Bible, a man, a person learns of the wonderful love that God manifested toward mankind. The world knows John three sixteen and 17. They know how to quote it, but they really understand the message behind it. His love allowed his son to die as a sacrifice for your sin and for mine. 
And such shows God's intense desire for the salvation of every soul. You know, the question is even asked in Scripture, how far would you go for somebody? How far would you go for a friend? How far would you go for your spouse? How far would you go for somebody in this room right now? Most of us would want to say that we would go far enough to lay down our life, but would we really do it? The answer is probably a lot of times no, we wouldn't. But yet God did. He gave his only begotten son. And so we can know that he desires all men to be saved. The Bible reveals that Christ built his church to stand forever until he returns as a haven of refuge for all who would obey him and be saved. As we'll talk about in just a moment, as we extend heaven's invitation, every soul that is saved is added to it. And the Bible shows people how they may be a part of Christ's church. Why did God give us the Bible? To assure us that he wants all to be saved. But even in the third place, to explain all that he has done to save man. We've already touched on this just a little bit, but God created man, male and female, as intelligent beings. Man is able to reason, to study, to understand. Do you remember in Genesis chapter 1 and verse number 26, God says, let us make man in our image. He goes on in that verse to say, let him have dominion. You see, man is intelligent. We are able to think, to reason, to study, and to understand. So God gave man the Bible to read and to study so that he might learn and understand the way of salvation. Have you ever had anything just outside of your reach, just outside of your grasp? Have you ever been a part of a group, maybe a circle of friends or something, and part of the group knows something that others don't, or maybe that you don't? And you don't know what's going on and you feel left out and you feel like it's right there. You can touch it, but you can't quite understand because you're, you're on the outside looking in and there's nothing you can do to get it or something that's just outside of your reach. Fortunately, that's not how God designed the Bible, that there's something that we could, you know, put our hands on and even read, but we can't comprehend it. It's too deep for us. No, he's given us something that we can understand and know the way of salvation, Think about the way of salvation as it's mentioned in the Old Testament. We talk about the fact that things that were written aforetime were written for our learning, Romans chapter 15 and verse number 4. But we take peace and comfort knowing that when we go back to the Old Testament, we see the way of salvation and that man knows it. In Genesis chapter 12 and verses 1 through 3, God chose Abraham. Very specifically chose Abraham from whom he would develop a nation of people, his own special people. God cultivated and he tutored, if you will. We don't like that word sometimes in relation to school if we need extra help. But we think about the training that goes on when you sit with a tutor in re relation to school and learning maybe math or whatever it might be. But God cultivated and yes, even tutored as we've been talking about Isaiah in our Sunday morning auditorium class, this particular nation for hundreds of years. That through it he might bring the Savior Jesus Christ into the world. He blessed them when they were obedient. He punished them when they were disobedient and they departed from his way. We know all of this because God has given us his word and we see the way of salvation in the Old Testament. The shadows and the types and antitypes and the prophecies and the promises that are in the Old Testament point the way towards the New Testament and we take comfort in that. 
In the New Testament, we learn the way of salvation. We learn of the sacrificial death, the victorious resurrection, and the glorious coronation of Christ as king over his kingdom. Peter's first gospel sermon in Acts chapter 2, verses 22 through 36, that first sermon, gospel sermon that's preached, is a wonderful message of the Christ being king. We read in the New Testament about the establishment of the church. There also, beginning in Acts chapter 2 and verse number 1 and moving through that chapter, we learn of salvation. We learn in the New Testament that the word of God has been given to serve as man's infallible guide in all matters pertaining to life and godliness. We've already mentioned 2 Peter 1.3, but we are thankful for that. All of this was done. Why did God give man the Bible? To explain all that he has done. To point the way back towards the Old Testament, which of course points the way towards the New Testament and see that God has had a way of salvation. And he's always shared that with mankind. Maybe it looked a little differently with blood, with sacrifices, with animals, as it does with the blood of Christ. But either way, man knew what he needed to do and what God has done in order to save man. Number four, God has given us the Bible in connection with that to reveal the meaning of salvation. As many people today either completely misunderstand or maybe partially understand the great subject of salvation. There is a lot of confusion, but there is no excuse for people to misunderstand or to only partially understand because God has revealed his way of salvation in such a way that all can understand it. Do you remember in the book of Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 3, verses 1 through 5, this may be a good sermon or a good topic for a future time, but in Ephesians chapter 3, verses 1 through 5, Paul talks about, and he uses this word, mystery. See, that's one of those things that trips people up a lot of times. Well, what's the mystery? And, and if you read the writings of Paul, you're not left thinking it's some mythical thing that we can't understand. Again, the idea of something just outside of our reach. No, we know what God has given to us. Paul talks here about that we can know the mystery. It was not made known to the sons of men, in verse number 5, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to his holy apostles and prophets. You see... God has revealed his way so that we can know it on the pages of the New Testament. The Bible reveals the meaning of salvation. That when we comply with God's conditions of pardon, and that's why we put those slides up there, by the way. Right? right? So we can understand God's conditions for pardon. You think about a person today who goes to jail, a person who may be released. There are certain conditions and terms. God has given us those. We try to share them each time so that we are reminded that we know the meaning of salvation. When one complies with God's conditions, all his sins are forgiven, never to be remembered again. Now, I think we struggle with that sometimes. The Bible also reveals the destiny of salvation, if you will. That the end of the way of salvation is an eternal home in heaven and a crown of life. And it also reveals, of course, the method. That's also why we share those slides. The method by which one is saved is belief in Jesus Christ and also obedience to the things that he has said to do. There's lots of confusion in the world about the meaning of salvation, about what a person must do, but it's laid very clear in the Bible, which leads us to our fifth point. The Bible is given to man to reveal what one must do to be saved. 
I tell you, folks, I think people get confused sometimes. Some, sometimes people give the, the churches of Christ maybe a, a, a knock and say, well, you folks don't believe in the Old Testament. But we take comfort knowing that from the beginning of time, from the beginning of the creation of man, God has always revealed what he desires of man. We may not have the exact written out words, if it was even written out, of what man needed to do in some kind of way throughout the beginning of the Bible. We know what Adam and Eve were told to do and what not to do. We get into the patriarchal dispensation when God spoke to the fathers and the fathers then revealed his will to the families and to the people. We may not have every single thing that they live by, but we know that God has revealed because we've seen people be rewarded for being obedient and people be punished for being disobedient. The Bible reveals that the principle which affects salvation has always been the same in every dispensation. We mentioned them before. We usually talk about three, the patriarchal, the mosaical, and the Christian. When God spoke to the Father by the, by the patriarchs, by the Father spoke to the people, he did by the law of Moses, and now he speaks by his Son, Christ. In all dispensations, it's been the same. Fear God and keep his commandments. Now, in the Old Testament, that's Ecclesiastes chapter 12 and verse number 13. If you like to write down the verses, Ecclesiastes 12, 13, fear God and keep his commandments. But do you know that Paul says the same thing in Acts chapter 10, verses 34 and, excuse me, 34 and 35. As he's preaching there, that great gospel sermon at that time, he says that in every nation, whoever fears God, and it's said just a hair differently, but works righteousness. Whoever fears God and keeps his commandments, whoever fears God and works righteousness is accepted by him. Old Testament, New Testament, whatever dispensation you want to talk about, it's been the same. Fear God and be obedient. God has revealed in the gospel what people must now do to be saved. We usually do share it on the screens, but we must obey Jesus Christ and his gospel. Hebrews chapter 5, verses 8 and 9, the Hebrew writer reminds us, specifically verse 9, that he became the author of eternal salvation to all who obey him. The question's asked, what do I need to do to be saved? How can I receive salvation? He became the author of it to all who obey him. Well, what does that mean? Well, we may need to go further than just Hebrews chapter 5, but we can find that and know that. You see, God has revealed what one must do to be saved. Hear the gospel. Believe in the Father and the Son. Repent of our sins. Confess our faith in Jesus Christ. And be baptized for the remission of sins so that the Lord can add us to his church. And it's a great day. Many of you in this room have experienced that. Having your sins washed away to be remembered no more. But most of us know there still comes a time later in life where we go... Well, what now? Especially when we get maybe even days down the road. Not years, but maybe even days down the road. And we mess up again. We say, well, what now? You know, I've changed my life, but I'm not perfect. And here I've stumbled and sinned again. What now? And we're thankful this morning that God gave man the Bible to reveal what one must do to keep saved as well. The Lord realized his disciples would need help to keep saved. To stay saved. He understood that they would be surrounded with worldly influences and that temptation would be strong. And by the way, if you've read the epistles lately, you know that it's not just 2022. 
or 2021. But those folks were dealing with struggles, with idols, with sexual temptations, with other things that Paul encourages them not to do. God understood that people, his people, would be surrounded by worldly influences. He knew the cares, the riches, and the pleasures of this life would tempt many people to leave him. And so Jesus prayed to the Father in behalf of his disciples in John chapter 17 and verse 17 that God might sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. You see, this prayer reveals how a person remains saved. And the idea is that we would be sanctified. To sanctify means to set apart or to separate from the world, to consecrate oneself to God. And this is accomplished by the word of God. How do we stay saved? Will we walk in truth? When a person applies the word of God to himself or herself and lives by it, he is in fellowship with both the father and the son. In the book of 2 John, there's no chapters, of course, but 2 John verse 9, he who abides in the doctrine of Christ has both the father and the son and thus has salvation. A person must keep the commands of God, being faithful even to the point of death. Revelation chapter 2 and verse 10, he will receive the crown of life at that final day. The question this morning is, why did God give man the Bible? You can go ahead and swap over to the next presentation. I had to make a, a separate presentation for my PowerPoint this morning. But we asked this question, so to speak, last year as we began. Why did God give man the Bible? And we said, so that he might walk in truth. Third John and verse 4. John would say, no greater joy do I experience than to know that my children walk in truth. We began 2021 with that challenge in mind, to walk in truth. What does that look like? Well, it looks a little bit like what you'll see on the screen here. If you'll advance to the next slide. A year ago, we
we stood right here with a blank canvas, and we asked you to walk in truth. And we challenge you to look at what it looks like when we walk in truth by reading the Word of God. And I don't know how many times your name is on here. We joked about Buford being on here about, uh, I don't know, 400 times maybe by the end of the year if he signed every book that he had read. But there are a lot of names up here. And if you didn't finish signing it, we'll keep it around for a little bit. But we stood here a year ago and showed a blank canvas, and I want you to see it again because we're thankful. As we said there, congratulations, in a sense, if you were able to walk in truth. And if you weren't, may we be challenged to do it even more this year. Because that's the way by which we are saved. Why did God give man the Bible? So that we can be saved. So that we can walk in truth. And this morning as we conclude this lesson, we're thankful for the opportunity to know that truth. We're thankful that another year has come and gone and that we had a chance to read and to study. And if you're like me, there are a lot of times during the year where you get a little tripped up, maybe you fall a little bit behind, but you always have an opportunity as long as you have breath in your lungs and blood in your body that you have an opportunity to do better, to do what's right, to walk in truth. That's the challenge, not just in 2021, not just because we have a banner. In fact, some have suggested that we keep going or maybe in the new year we try some, some other challenges. Maybe we look at doing uh, particular things, you know, that uh, would have us, you know, read certain sections or something. And we can do that kind of thing because I enjoy a challenge, maybe just like many of you do. But even without that, it's up to us because God has given us the Bible to know that we are lost to know that he desires us to be saved and how exactly we can do that and then stay saved. Maybe you're here this morning and you're not uh, a child of God. You've never obeyed God's simple plan of salvation. We're thankful for this opportunity to know what he has told us to do. And if we, as we sometimes try to say, if you look at the screen and you're confused or you've never seen it before or you want to know more about what the Bible says, about how to be saved, how to be on the path to heaven, we would love to study with you as soon as possible. Maybe you're here this morning, but you've wandered away. Maybe you have not been faithful. Maybe it's that you have struggled with sin because it's hard. It's hard to walk in truth. It's hard to remain faithful. And if you're here this morning and as a child of God, you've not done that, we'll be singing to encourage you as well. Once again, God doesn't leave us hanging about what would happen if we mess up, but we're told in 1 John 1, 9 to confess our sins. We see the example of someone, a person just like us in Acts chapter 8, who even just like us doesn't make it very far according to scripture, and he's already sinning again or making a mistake, but we see a real life example in the word of God of what we need to do, and that we can repent of our sins and pray to God for forgiveness, and he is faithful to do just that. I'm thankful for this congregation, the way that you have encouraged me over the last year, even with this kind of challenge. And I hope to challenge you as I try to challenge myself to continue to walk in truth, to continue to turn to God's word for the guidance that we need, for the struggles that we face, for the, great, the good times that we share. We're thankful that God has given man the Bible that has made a way of salvation possible that we can know. And as we sing to encourage you this morning, if you need to make a change, would you make it known now as we stand together and as we sing?